Thank you for joining us today for the Cybersecurity Guide podcast. My name is Steve Bocut. I'm a writer and an editor for Cybersecurity Guide and the podcast's host. We appreciate your listening. On today's show, our guest is Dr. Michael Ruth, Associate Professor of Computer Science at Roosevelt University. We're going to be discussing cybersecurity educational opportunities at Roosevelt. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Ruth. Dr. Ruth earned an MS in Computer Science and a PhD in Engineering and Applied Science from the University of New Orleans. His teaching interests are focused on introductory to intermediate programming, networking, systems administration, and security courses. His research interests lie on the intersection of distributed systems and software engineering, more specifically, designing regression test selection techniques for web service-based systems. With that, welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. All right. This is going to be fun and interesting, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a great resource for any students in your area who are thinking about uh, cybersecurity as a direction that they may want to go in their academic career. So, Let's find out a little bit about you to begin with. I think it'll be interesting for our audience to learn how you became interested in cybersecurity. Was that year, you know, at the very beginning, or was that you stumbled across it later? So my interest actually began uh, when I was uh, sort of earning my degree, if you will. I worked at a bank for five to six years uh, as a network analyst, uh, and we got to see firsthand a lot of the problems that were encountered by, you know, this is really like a ninety. 99, 2000, where we're seeing like the first onset of attacks being directed at banks and what you call it, and looking at how these attacks come in and so forth. Now, I have a very traditional computer science background. I took the computer science courses. I took uh, PhD, my dissertations in computer science. However, um, because of my experience working at the bank, I worked with all these uh, different IT sort of uh, things. So that's how I got into teaching the IT courses uh, to begin with. Uh, cybersecurity, though, uh, you cannot teach IT anymore, uh, and you really haven't been able to for a long period of time without talking about how, when we talk about how things are used, we can't talk about them without talking about how they can be misused. Um, denial of service attacks and those type of things. Uh, we can't we can't just talk about generic networking anymore. So even uh, in my first years of teaching, we started talking about um, okay, when we talk about network and protocols, this is how the network protocol lays out, and this is how these are attacks on that network protocol. Um, so, cybersecurity, at least uh, in my experience, because of my experience, um, it's not something you can sort of even you know in uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, even back then, right? Like we still need to worry about how things can be misused because we've seen them misused in real real life, right? We. At, at Hiber- I, I used to work at Hibernia National Bank. Um, it's now Capital One. Uh, but um, as a result of that, uh, we've seen firsthand how things can be misused and, and so forth. So we can, we got to include. We have to include that in our basic discussion, including yeah, software engineering as well. And I love that perspective because I know people on the cybersecurity side are sometimes lamenting that they wish people coming out of school with um, an IT background would be more security focused. Uh, and so I love the, that perspective that, yeah, that's the way you've been doing it and uh, and probably others as well. But uh, I know that more and more that's necessary in industry for IT folks to understand security. So that's awesome. Um, 
So is there anything that you're currently working on or, or researching that you can share with us? So the most recent technique that I published is a little bit a while ago, unfortunately, uh, was uh, 2014, and it was privacy preserving. So take the approaches to, um, I'm going to give a really short intro to this. Uh, you give to take the approaches to regression test selection. Uh, these two entities are not necessarily in the same domain, and as a result, they're unlikely to share details uh, to help make that regression test selection process work. So I developed a privacy preserving uh, approach to this so that we can, the two parties can share uh, what they only what they need to share and not uh, internal details. Uh, but I'm also interested in thinking about the way we teach forensics. Um, we have forensics labs, uh, Center of Academic Excellence, um, you know, uh, we're a center of academic excellence, and so they give us resources to teach various courses. Um, but you know, within restrained, uh, uh, restrained cost environment with students being remote and being in person, uh, you know, in a hybrid class, how can we best support students in these types of classes? And we've been running into all sorts of issues. It's very hard to have a very, very well-equipped lab that only some students are getting because some students are remote. So uh, that's an area uh, we call it computer science education or computer cybersecurity education that we're really focused on. And that's the sort of uh, evening out uh, the experience of these students uh, has been very important to me. And, that, and that's the area I've been really focused in on the last couple of years. Wow, interesting. Uh, and has that been, well, Probably not, but is is there kind of a, th a through thread, something that has been kind of consistent throughout your academic career uh, that has kept your attention? So one of the most important things, right? So I I, I used to, I, I haven't recently, because we do have a, another uh, professor teaching some of the cybersecurity courses, but I used to teach uh, network security uh, and firewalls and those type of things and how do we create honeypots and those type of things. Um, but when I do that, I typically do a lot of what we do uh, is kind of that low level sort of teach you how the basics work so that if you when you go into a corporation, you can do uh, what's called, but that changes so much. Mm -hmm. So we really try to interact with, um, you know, how do we how do we expand that knowledge? Uh, like an example, I'm just going to give you an example of this. Uh, this has been something I've been really working on um, is, is that in uh, my web uh, development course, right? Web development is no longer, you know, you create a web server and the, you know, the all the data runs through this type of thing. And you know, we have front end and back end. Uh, how do we know that though, right? Like as uh, researchers and as um educators, we were focused on getting that information uh, from the industry as much as possible. And then so we can do that to update our classes. Um, so generally, I focus on updating uh, the classes, but a lot of that core network security stuff is relative. Um, the same things I taught in 2008 are still relative today for the most part. I mean, we might use a different tool. We might do, you know, we, we have lab setups that we can actually implement computers and uh, things and, and not just have actual computers in the room. Um, but the, the core knowledge that we focus on is, uh, is relatively the same, right? Uh, keep everything together, uh, separate things that don't need to be together, right? And so forth, right? Some of those same concepts um, have run through the thread um, throughout the, Thing. We also, I mean, obviously we teach honeypots, we teach all sorts of things as well, um, you know, but like I said, those core networking things have been, you know, the tools might change a little bit, but the right. core networking things are relatively similar. 
Excellent. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, all right. So let's kind of get into the meat of it here. So um, can you tell our audience, if you would please, what cybersecurity educational opportunities they'll find at Roosevelt University? What degree programs or certificates or what, what, what do you offer for cybersecurity education? So we're a center of academic excellence and cybersecurity, uh, NSA mm -hmm. accredited. Uh, now, what that actually means is they approve our uh, uh, they approve our curriculum for you know the purposes of cybersecurity education, mm -hmm. and then you know okay, but that's a bachelor's of in uh, cybersecurity uh, and information assurance. Uh, and so what the typical students would learn uh, is you you know you have your intro to programming courses. Um, Students often wonder, well, what do I need to, uh, you know, because they still actually do a lot of programming, right? You still actually do a lot of system administration is still a lot of programming. So we do that. We take a system administration courses, network courses, uh, and that's the more or less the core um, with a few other intro to security courses thrown in where they learn about the broad overview of cybersecurity. And then we have some what we call electives. And these electives are really focused in on certain elements, right? So like, uh, ethical hacking and uh, cyber defense. And um, another one we have is, uh, well, forensics is another example. Um, mm -hmm. and, and all these are focuses on, you know, what's kind of cool about cybersecurity and computer science is sometimes we have courses that are focused on different job areas. Uh, whereas mm -hmm. a cyber professional might do a little bit of all of these things in their actual job. There are forensics people. You can get certified in Illinois as a computer forensics, uh, forensics, foren forensic scientist. There uh, so uh, there is a actual uh, certification you can get in Illinois for that. Uh, there are pen testers. There are cybersecurity defense people. Um, and there are people that go out and uh, try and attack, white, they call them white hat hackers, that go out and try to attack networks uh, on demand uh, so that we can see how secure our system is. So it's kind of interesting that we have that. Mm -hmm. uh, we give a nice overlay. Uh, the program starts off kind of not say relatively slow, but, you know, as sort of a uh, intro to computer science. This is a network. This is uh, this is what cybersecurity is. This is how to program. This is uh, a network. This is a system. This is a network. Uh, and then we go into these various electives that allow them to, um, you know, experiment with the different types of jobs that are out there, because that's really yeah. The, the focus of our program is we want to give you not only the knowledge, right? Because you need knowledge. I know this sounds crazy, but uh, students need the knowledge so that when they when they go on to their careers, that they can continue to work, right? Not just right. next year. They need <laughs> to continue to work for uh, 20 years, right? In some cases, uh, students graduate at 25 and work till they're 75, right? So that's yeah. 50 years, right? And so we want them to have a career, uh, not just the skills that they need for their first job, but we do want to make sure that they have those as well. So that's the core computer science uh, undergraduate program, the BS in mm -hmm. computer science, uh, cybersecurity. Uh, we also have an MS in cybersecurity. The MS in cybersecurity is a little bit different. Uh, we don't teach the intro to programming course. We don't teach those type of things um, because we're expecting you to have a little bit of programming knowledge, a little bit of networking knowledge, a little bit of system administration knowledge. Uh, right. But uh, this is high level policy, uh, high level uh, intro. We do have some intro to cybersecurity courses. We do have a couple of electives similar to what we do in cybersecurity, but you enter them almost immediately. Uh, but we also talk about cyber ethics and legal concerns. Uh, for example, I teach a course uh, right now 
and cyber ethics, and we talk about GOBA and the GOBA guidelines. And if you're not familiar with that, that's financial institution uh, requirements under law. Mm -hmm. uh, what legal requirements you have if you hold financial information of consumers, right? So, you know, we talk about that. We talk about, you know, the various elements of that. But that's what we call about policy-driven uh, stuff. We also have a lot of electives in that area. We the same idea, forensics. Uh, we have a cloud computing uh, security uh, course that's focused on uh, how cloud computing uh, and security have to go together. Um, right, because cloud computing really just means, and I know I'm going to make some people angry when I say this, but it really just means somebody else's computer. But yeah, that means true. we have to think about uh, we have to think about securing it as well. Yeah. Uh, so we have all those electives as well. Okay, excellent. So let's let's help our audience kind of. Nope, you're going to say something. Else. I almost forgot. To, I almost forgot to add. Uh, we also have four plus one opportunities that uh, allows undergraduate cybersecurity students to go right into their uh, master's degree with a. They take some. They take three. They take three graduate courses as undergraduates, and then they go into graduate things. Um, so that's a useful opportunity for you. I wanted to add also that we have two cybersecurity clubs of interest. Uh, okay. One is a. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, girls who code. Uh, oh, group. okay. I don't yeah. know how to. I I don't know what the. It's girls who code is the name of the group, uh, right. but they get together and the female um, computer scientists, cybersecurity students go and do uh, regular activities about usually monthly, and then we also have a cybersecurity club, which the most of what they do is to get together and they practice for. Um, um, I'm trying to think of what competitions. Yes, that's the word okay. I'm looking for. Sure, sure. Uh, and that's either a red flag, blue flag, um, you know, where they challenge, uh, the either defend or attack um, okay. each other. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that. That's exactly where I was going to go. I was going to ask you about any any clubs or those kinds of things that students might be uh, involved in. Are there any other like capstone projects or, or things that you can think of that might be part of the educational uh, uh, experience there for cybersecurity? Yeah, so every uh, student, part of our program, so two parts that we want to talk about, uh, two parts. So every student at Roosevelt is required to take, um, I want to say the course is ethical hacking, but I'd be wrong. It's 335 and I'm just not, I'm just blanking at the name. Uh, but in that, as part of the degree requirement, as part of the course requirement, they have to go and participate in NCL, National Cyber League uh, competition. So you you will participate in a cybersecurity competition as part of our curriculum. Very good. Um, and of course, the club helps you prepare for that, but also that class helps you prepare for that. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that, every student at Roosevelt will also, a cybersecurity student, will also take a senior project. Right now, a senior project, which I'm teaching, I totally didn't blank on this as well. Uh, I'm teaching this right now. Uh, so the cybersecurity students in that class, uh, we built a web application uh, using Spring and Angular, you know, front end, back end, and they're uh, trying to attack it. So I have uh, six students that are trying to attack it and um, make the developers look silly by breaking <laughs> it, uh, which is, you know, it's a typical thing. Uh, and so initially they try to break it. Typically what I have them do is they try to break the system and then they have to, once they break it, they have to make it so you can't break it anymore. Very good. Cybersecurity <laughs> is great to break things, yeah. right? That's the fun part. But then we also have to make sure that no one else can break it after us. Very good. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so industry seems to be clamoring for trained uh, cybersecurity 
security workers. And so it is interesting to me, and I think it'll be interesting to our audience to hear how is academia responding to that? What input do you get from industry? Uh, what does that input look like and how do you implement that? So we have, uh, again, I apologize if this sounds uh, overly canned, but we have a center of academic excellence requirements to have an advisory board. And okay. as a result of the advisory board, we have about six to 10 members um, that regularly meet. Uh, they meet twice a semester. Uh, they review our curriculum and add and talk about things they can add and remove. What that typically looks like is they actually look over our courses. We give them syllabi. Uh, they don't really usually ask for you know, course materials, uh, but they do frequently ask about areas of courses that could be improved, could be not improved, um, could be changed, could be not be changed. And so we have that, and that's very, very useful because they're not necessarily giving us direct, hey, you should change this, or you should add this, or hey, did you guys hear about this? Um, most of the time, it's it's not low level, hey, make sure you have a unit on cyber ethics or make sure you have, it's not like that, but it's like, yeah. hey, you know, this type of thing has become really important. We really need to see students that graduate that have this skill, especially when it comes to system administration. That's been the one course that I feel like they want to break open the most. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, there's, I feel like sometimes with system administration, can you really teach everything in one course, right? So, uh, you know, when SQL, when they talk about SQL data mining elements of SQL um, that comes into play, because um, frequently we teach our database course generically because you, you do with when you have a computer science and cybersecurity program. So when we talk about SQL injection attacks, we have to talk about that, you know, this type of attack has become kind of right, common. Do you, do you include this thing? So they, they frequently add in bit, uh, add or provide us feedback with the information, uh, provide us feedback with our curriculum. Um, and typically we do an assessment as well. So we look at our course objectives because uh, that's mostly what they're looking at is course objectives and high level things. We look at our course objectives and we follow, we're required to do this by the Center of Academic Excellence. We, we re regularly review our curriculum, regularly review how we're teaching, regularly review how the students are doing to make sure we're actually teaching what we say we're teaching. It's not enough to just say we're teaching the stuff, we have to actually prove it. Um, and so we do regular assessment uh, yearly and. Uh, some, what is the right word, semi-annually, um, okay. so that we verify that we're actually teaching what we say we're teaching. Uh, so in addition to them going in and looking at our objectives and saying, this is good, but we need you to also teach this, um, we do that and we modify our courses accordingly as much as we can, but then we also regularly review our courses to make sure we're actually teaching what we say we're teaching. That's interesting to me. Do you find that that over that varies quite a bit? I mean, I know, I guess what I'm thinking here is that, you know, threats and vulnerabilities seem to evolve quite rapidly um, in, in industry and, and the, the focus of cyber defenders seems to change a lot. So we're, you know, one month we're, we're looking at, you know, supply chain, open source uh, code, right? And the next month we're, we're looking at something else. So it would be hard for an academic institution to try and react to those things that quickly. But if you take a step back and take a bigger look at it, have you seen it change quite a bit over the, over the years, what they're asking for you to teach students that are ready to go to work? No, I think they give us an overview. Uh, when you look at individual like low so from a 50 um from a five feet point of view like you're looking right. away from five feet uh you know typical well, average height of a human right 
uh, five feet away. Uh, you look at that level, that's, that would change very rapidly all the time, right? right? An actual cybersecurity professional, right? But if you give it a hundred feet or a thousand foot view, um, that's not changed as much. And as a result, that's kind of what we're teaching. When we do our attacks, uh, when we do our cyber, um, I'm trying to think of the word now. I can't remember. I still forgot the word. Uh, ethical hacking is uh, 335 uh, is our course. When we do that, those types of attacks change drastically from semester to semester, right? Because okay. they, you're following the national cybersecurity league. So those are following the industry things that, you know, we want students to be able to do. Those upper level classes where we have forensic techniques that are relatively new, those keep getting added and changed into the course. Uh, but very low level things where we're looking at secure software from a point of view of this type of software that, yeah, that's probably too fine grained for us to right to really get down into. Uh, but as those upper level classes, I was saying those upper level electives, um, those are where those tend to be a little bit more nimble. And we do actually include uh, new information as it comes available. Yeah, so interesting. Our people are researchers. So. Do you do you get a sense uh, from the input you get from industry? Do you get a sense of where the skills gap holes are at? Are they at the low end? They, they can't find enough people to to staff their SOC or are they high end? They're looking for people with, you know, nation state threat intelligence kind of uh, background. Or so the bad the news, the bad news is it's across the board. They're across just the board. literally not enough applicants for jobs. And you can find that when you go to usajobs.gov. Uh, you go to usajobs.gov and just pick your area. Um, you know, you're looking for, uh, I don't know, data analysts, computer scientists, cybersecurity, uh, and you look at the various types of cybersecurity jobs. I'm, I'm trying, I was blanking on that. Uh, and then you look at that, like penetration testers, um, system engineers, all those different things. There are a ton of opportunities out there and they just cannot fill them fast enough. And that, that is the bigger problem. The bigger problem is we're just not graduating enough people. And in the Center of Academic Excellence conferences I've been to, the gap is very large and it's really across the board. It's not just, you know, entry level people, which, which you know, for us, that's our bread and butter, right? Entry and sure. management level people. But, uh, you know, eventually they'll go on, right? right. And become CISO, uh, you know, you know the, the, they'll become the people that are uh, in charge of security operations, right? And so... Um, Chief Information Security Officer is the CISO is what that stands for. So we'll eventually go into move into those roles. But, you know, because the gap is everywhere and they just don't have enough people, um, that's a problem. And so some of the uh, government organizations are actually fighting over, um, they're fighting over people uh, and because there's just not enough. Now, as, as it relates to cybersecurity, um, one of the good news is, is that we, we are career and skill focused. So we do want them to be uh, available for a long-term career. We're not just getting mm -hmm. them through their first six months of the job, right? We want them uh, to work long-term. So we do do that base core of knowledge, right? That's going to serve them well throughout their career. We teach them how to program. We teach them what a system is. We teach them what a network is. Those things don't drastically change, right? We still need networks together and so forth. Um, and then we teach them those skills that allow them to get that first job. And I think Very that's, good. I think that's the best blend uh, yeah. because it gives you that opportunity. But as in terms of, you know, those last minute skills, that's really what those electives are designed to. I, and I say last minute, I just mean like, you know, skills for that uh, next six months. Right. Cause you, exactly. You, I, yeah. I sometimes struggle with this. I think we all do as professors is that we remind our students when we're teaching our upper level electives that, you know, you can go, 
next week or next month when you graduate and you can get a job doing what I'm doing, right? But that doesn't mean you've got to, you know, you're going to be trained on the job, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to do the job, right? People pay you to do, right? And so that's right. what we're really focused on. Excellent. Okay. All right. So a couple more things I wanted to touch on before I let you go. Uh, one is if there's any uh, resources that you want to mention. Um, sometimes I term this as like top picks if you're building a reading list for somebody who's thinking about cybersecurity. Uh, and it could be books or papers, but it could be lectures, YouTube channels, anything like that that you would typically um, point a student towards if they're trying to learn if cybersecurity is right for them. Oh, uh, if they're right for them. Um, actually, I'm not. I was hoping, I, I thought the question through uh, mm-hmm. a different avenue. So I'm going to answer and a that's wrong fine. question. Please. I'm going to answer the wrong question. I'm going to be a bad student and answer the wrong question. But uh, no. So what I would tell a student to do is learn Linux, right? So if you're going to be a system administrator, you're going to be a system administrator. Linux is free. doesn't require Mm -hmm. you to do anything. You can download VirtualBox and you can have a Linux installation running tomorrow. uh, And then you can learn to secure it um, by looking at security guides. There's a million uh, Linux security guides. Uh, There's a, ah, I'm trying to think of it. I will send you a link. There's uh, Linux system administration uh, guides that are available, freely available. Okay. You can go look at any time. I'll send you a link for that, I promise. Perfect. Um, but okay. like I said, and you can just play around. You can be a system administrator or you can be a network administrator. Linux gives you that opportunity uh, because you can actually build a firewall using Linux. Um, you can and do network security concepts, uh, a lot of network security concepts uh, yeah. just by using learning Linux. That's a huge deal. And I'm uh, interested, is that, it, it, I mean, interrupt here just for a no, second, but is that, is that, is Linux what you would recommend only because, well, it could be either in my mind, I don't know the answer to this because they're more, a student is more likely to end up working on a Linux system, or is it because you can just look under the, you have a better look under the hood. And so if you want to learn what goes on under the hood with an operating system, Linux is the way to go because Microsoft is not going to open the hood for you. Is that? Well, no, there's two elements to this, and I'm going to okay. lie a little bit because I'm okay. going to oversimplify a little bit. Linux is free, number one. Okay. Right. So you can do whatever you want. You can blow it up. You can use any version of Linux. There's many different versions of Linux. Microsoft will never give you the keys to the universe, right? right. They will never. The other side of things that we talk about sometimes is when we used to, we used to teach our system administration class using Windows and Linux. And the bad news is, is that we just couldn't go deep because we're doing it twice, we couldn't go very deep to do both, right? Uh, And so that was a problem. But with Linux, you can do virtually anything. You can have a graphical sort of user interface sometimes and not. And Microsoft allows that option as well. So let's not pretend that those things aren't as well. Okay. Uh, So that's the first part is it's free, literally. And Microsoft, you know, has its tools. Uh, I like to think of Microsoft uh, being sort of a separate approach uh, to system administration. So uh, Microsoft will typically have a tool that does 10 things, mm-hmm. whereas Linux might have 10 tools, right? They each do that. Right. So, but it's a different feel. Uh, but the thing is they can get their hands very, very dirty, very quickly. And if you can do it in Linux, you can learn how to do it in Windows. That's that's okay. the piece I will add as well. And, and I think that's oversimplifying. I'm sure, not, sure. I mean, my MCSC, uh, my M. SCE friends will yell at me, of course. 
um, because you know they're Linux. You know you have Active Directory. You have a couple things that are uh, very difficult to pretend to do in in Linux. Uh, so you do need a Microsoft, but you don't want to get dirty. You want to get your hands dirty initially and get it. Get, you can go as far as you want. Uh, Linux is a very good tool to do that because it's free and you get dirty right away. You can typically look at a security guide, and there's massive numbers of uh, freeware uh guides and stuff available online as well there's tons of tools about microsoft as well i mean don't get me wrong but remember you have to pay for microsoft licenses right okay and so that, that, that's that's often an obstruction to some yeah extent. okay all right so um we're about out of time here but i want to end with this this kind of final question where we ask you to dust off your crystal ball and look into the future and 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 kind of give the audience an idea of what they might be doing to prepare now to you know to meet the needs of 5 years or 10 years down the road if that's even possible okay so it's not but they're always zero day attacks, right? We're, they're literally a companies that will pay millions of dollars for, if you find a zero day attack that nobody's seen before, they'll pay you millions of dollars for it. So literally cybersecurity, you may run into attack that you have never seen before. And that's just the way it goes, right? That's sort of, you're never, it's a never ending learning experience. But one thing, one area I would think is getting more attention is AI. AI is being used in, you know, it's learning tool, right? Mm -hmm. And it exists, existed in cybersecurity for a long time. It's the way we, if you think about the way mail filters work, right? We filter out spam. Uh, it's right. usually learning techniques. So it's not that strange or that new, uh, but AI techniques are getting more and more prevalent. Um, and you're seeing the, those things in a lot uh, different, a lot of different places you may not have seen them before. Exactly. Uh, another area I would like to add um, is machine learning. Uh, it's similar. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but machine learning techniques uh, to look at attacks and look at ways in which we can prevent attacks, especially network attacks. Mm -hmm. um, machine learning tools and techniques are being used uh, at a greater degree as well. So those are two areas uh, that I think and, and they're very related. I get it. But right. uh, they're very related, but uh, they're actually used slightly differently. But um, lots and lots of different tools and learning techniques to train uh, systems to do some of the work for them. You know, when I was a system administrator many years ago with the bank, uh, one of the things I encountered was dealing with the fact that we had 5,000 servers and you only had 50 people dealing with these servers. Uh, we had to automate things quite a bit. And, and to do that, we had to program, right? Uh, but now we have to train these things to do um, our bidding for them. Uh, and so we, we, we call it training because you're using AI. And so having some working knowledge of AI, I think going into the five years from now will be very, very important. Okay. Uh, but also be looking out that, that the cybersecurity field as a whole changes drastically. You know, things change all the time and you're constantly staying above the uh, wave, so to speak. So you don't exactly. get washed away. Okay, thank you so much. Dr. Ruth, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. This has been very interesting. It's been a fascinating conversation. We uh, we appreciate you giving us some time. And a big thanks to our listeners for being with us as well. Please remember to subscribe and review if you find this podcast interesting and join us next time for another episode of the Cybersecurity Guide podcast. Mm -hmm.